Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. How do we process birth when we don't experience the outcome we intended? How do we manage changing our plans and accepting what comes to us during the wild and uncontrollable ride that is birth? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 161 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking with Danielle, accompanied by her doula, Tracy. Danielle was raised in a home birth family, so naturally, she was planning her own. We'll listen to how her story unfolded and how she's processing through it all now on the other side. I always like to give a heads up when the content of an episode may be especially difficult. This is certainly an example where things go awry, and if you're nearing the end of your pregnancy and feel that this isn't the right time to listen, please take that into consideration. However, these are, of course, real examples of birth, and gosh, birth is sacred no matter how it happens. I am so grateful that Danielle is willing to share her experience with us today. Now, before we jump in, I do want to give a huge thank you to our reviewer of the week, and that's W.E.P. Christine. She said, best birth podcast. I never write reviews, but just had to in this case. This podcast was a tremendous encouragement in my last pregnancy. Even though I wanted a home birth, I ended up with a hospital birth, yet happy home birth gave me a joyful and positive outlook and helped prepare for my third unmedicated birth. I listened to gain encouragement as I dealt with COVID and fear at 37 weeks, laughed alongside Caitlin and her guests as I did housework, and ultimately brought to mind lessons shared by other women in these stories as I worked through my own labor and brought my little boy into the world. Keep the great episodes coming. Oh, thank you so much, Christine. I hope that you will email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com so that I can send you a Happy Home Birth podcast sticker. And I am so grateful to hear that these stories were a help to you. Now, I also wanted to mention very quickly that if you are planning your home birth, And if you want to feel confident and strong, no matter how your birth unfolds, then I know you're a good fit for Happy Home Birth Academy. I want to personally walk you through my strategic blueprint to bring you to a place of confidence, comfort, and excitement as you stand on the glorious threshold of transformation that awaits you in labor. You will systematically prepare your mind with the knowledge of what happens during physiological labor. You'll prepare relaxation techniques that will keep you cool as a cucumber while your body does this great work. You'll bond with your spouse as you learn to work together with a shared mindset. And you'll be ready for the experience of postpartum, knowing exactly how to capitalize on those beautiful bonding and restful days and weeks with your newborn. I want you to experience birth as the sacred rite of passage that it is. And I want to walk with you hand in hand as we prepare for that event together. So join me today inside of Happy Home Birth Academy. The link is going to be inside of the show notes, or you can simply go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash HHA to join today through any of our three easy payment options. Okay, as we jump in, please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. 
And this show is not medical advice. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for yourself and your family. Danielle and Tracy, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Hi, I'm so glad that you have us. Thank you. Hi. Of course. Yeah. If you guys would take a moment to introduce yourselves, Danielle is a mother who uh, planned to give birth at home and then Tracy is her doula. So if Danielle, if you'll start off and then Tracy, you can follow, that'd be perfect. Hi. So I'm Danielle. I am 28 years old. I just had my first baby. She was born about two months ago. My husband and I, we live in Northern Illinois. So we're in a state where home birth isn't, home birth midwives aren't legal yet. So we had a had to navigate through that. And then um, this is my doula, Tracy. Hi, I'm Tracy. I am a doula, birth doula. I've been one for a few years. I do hospital births, home births, basically just try to support mom wherever she's most comfortable and in whatever way she needs most for me. That's perfect. It's going to be, this is our first mother and doula conversation. So I'm really, really excited to have this and to have, you know, two perspectives. It's going to be great. So Danielle, your story is, uh, it's kind of a difficult one, right? I, <laughs> yeah. Would you tell me how your pregnancy began, what your plans were and what you were expecting at that time? So I will say that I knew I was going to have a home birth when I was like 15 years old. I'm a home birth baby. My mom had me and three of my siblings at home. Um, I've been blessed enough to witness seven home births. My first was my little brother when I was three years old and he was born at home and I got to be there for that. And then I got to witness my sisters having my nieces and nephews and then a cousin have two of her boys. So home birth, um, I know a lot of people wonder like, how'd you get into that? Well, I was literally born into it, (laughs) which is, I think is so cool. So um, my husband and I, we got married three years ago and when we decided it was time to try, we were really lucky and we, I was able to get pregnant the second month of us trying. Um, my pregnancy went really well for about eight weeks and then I got super nauseous. I do think I had a mild case of HG. I know some women have it a lot worse than I did, but I was pretty nauseous. Um, I was messed out a lot of work, things like that until about week, maybe 22 or 23. And then I felt great and had a really smooth pregnancy after that. And then, so how did you, since you were born into this, as you said, um, in your area, did you already have a feel for like the home birth lay of the land? Did you know the midwife you were going to use? How did you select your care provider? So this is the thing. I um, grew up South of Chicago and now I'm in Northern Illinois, almost Wisconsin. So there is a midwife that is so beloved to me, but now I just moved two hours away from her. Uh, so I wasn't really keyed into the home birth community in Rockford. Um, but with the help of my chiropractor and then finding a doula, I was able to connect with some other moms and, you know, through Facebook groups too, you can find midwives through there. But I did have this midwife that that's out of Indiana that I just adored. And she was the one that did all those births that I was able to witness, but because of the travel time, I just wasn't able to hire her. So I hired someone that I was less familiar with. Okay. Gotcha. And how did that prenatal care go? What, what did it seem like that relationship was like? You know, it was, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I know 
I think I'm a little more educated and more familiar with home birth than an average first time mom, just because I've been around it so much that I felt like my appointments were kind of short. Um, but you know, she always checked baby's heart rate, checked my blood pressure, but it, I, I'm always kicking myself looking in hindsight is 2020, but, um, it wasn't as much of a personal relationship that I thought I would have, you know, I thought we would spend more time like doing education and things, but I kind of already knew a lot of it. So I kind of brushed it off thinking like, oh, well, she knows how familiar I am with this. You know, she doesn't have to convince me why home birth is such a great option. Cause I already knew that. Right. So, she knew you had a doula. So she probably knew we were doing a lot of education. So yeah. That so I did a lot with Tracy and her off the hook, you know, mm-hmm. she's a very popular midwife in our area and has been doing it for a long time. So she kind of comes with that like street cred, you know, mm-hmm. that you're in good hands because look at all these other people who've used her. Um, and every client that I've had that's used her says the same thing about her personality, that she's standoffish, aloof, kind of a little rough around the edges, but you know, then they have a doula. And so mm-hmm. it's a nice balance because yeah. I, most doulas, I would put myself in this group, are none of those things. We're very engaging and you know involved, and we want. Yeah, to- or else you're not going to work for long. <laughs> That's what a doula is for, right? So we know each other very well and get developed this great rapport, and so then people are kind of like, well, you know, I'm just going to use the tried and true midwife, even though her personality isn't quite what I would like. Gotcha. Um, team, you know, everyone has their strengths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And- Exactly how I, felt. I felt like the midwife had so much experience. She wasn't very personable. She wasn't going to hold my hand, but that's why I have Tracy because she's here for like the emotional and more comfort support. And I had, I thought I had this woman who had all this experience in case something went awry. Right. Yep. And, and it does seem like that can happen in communities where there's like a, an ultra, ultra popular or ultra used midwife and kind of creates this like following. Um, but sometimes that's when things go wrong. That's when the guard gets let down and, you know, issues can arise. So I totally understand your line of thinking though. Like, okay, well, this is a skilled person. She knows what she's doing. I have my support. I've got my doula right here. We're going to be good to go. So as you, um, got closer to labor and went into labor, what was that experience like? So I felt like I had been having Braxton Hicks forever. (laughs) Like I felt like really the last, I don't know, maybe even like six weeks of being pregnant, like they would come and go, but then really the days leading up, they started getting more consistent. I remember like, so over the weekend before she was born, it was like all through the night I would have them. And then as soon as the sun came up, they would go away. And everyone was ready. I had my mom come from two hours away. I'm like, oh, well, they stopped. She's like, well, they'll start again soon. And sure enough, they did. So that was my parents came Sunday. Monday, I felt like I might have started leaking a little bit. Maybe my water had broken. And I had called my midwife and said, I think my water might have broken. And she said, a lot of people think that, but it's probably not. But it might be, but it's probably not. And she kind of brushed that off. And then, so all during that day, I'm close to your due date. Yes. So I was at 40 weeks. I was, um, she was born on her due date. And so this is like two days before my due date. And I was thinking, oh, I probably have two weeks left. I'm a first time mom. Like this, (laughs) this is a dream. I'm contractions are starting and I'm on my due date. So I felt I was excited about that, that I 
was done waiting. Um, so Monday night I'm having, they picked up again as soon as the sun came down and I was just like praying, like, please let this be it because now there's like three nights in a row that I haven't slept really of trying to nap during the day, but I'm excited. Um, so my contractions started like 11 o'clock midnight and then they stayed pretty consistent. And then um, I remember calling Tracy and she was telling me to rest and I let the midwife know what was going on too. And then by six, seven in the morning, we knew that I was definitely in labor. So this is Tuesday morning. Okay. And once you realized you were in labor, how did it begin to unfold? So once I realized I was in labor, um, you know, it was me and my husband in my bedroom, just doing the little comfort measures that Tracy had educated us on, like hip squeezes, I'm bouncing on the ball, sitting on the chair, trying to rest in between. But at this point, it's very manageable. Um, so that was in the morning. And then I think, you know, a few hours went by and then the midwife came over and Tracy both came around maybe one o'clock. Mm -hmm. One or two, something like that. And Tracy just, as soon as she got in there, I, her hands are on me, <laughs> squeezing my hips. I'm like, oh, that's how it's supposed to be done. <laughs> you know, so she was right there with the comfort measures and, um, you know, contractions are getting more intense, closer together. And then my midwife, when she arrived, she said that she had to check me. I asked her if I could decline. And she said, I have to. And I, I felt my body like have that kind of fight or flight response where you kind of just freeze up. Um, I did allow her to check me. And I just said, just please don't tell me I'm a two. If I'm a two, just say nothing. <laughs> Cause I, I didn't want to be checked because I didn't think I, I don't know. I didn't want to know the discouragement. I didn't want the discouragement. Exactly. But, um, she said, well, you're a six and I was thrilled. So I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad she checked me. Even though I really wasn't glad that she checked me, but I was happy to hear that I was at a six. That was so much further than I thought I would be. Um, you were coping very well at this point, like from an observer <clears throat> standpoint, walking in, it was very hard to tell if you would be a two or a six because yeah, you that's... had the comfort measures down. You were very calm, peaceful. Yeah, that's good to hear. Because, um, yeah, I, I don't know. You don't know how it's going to feel. So yeah. I felt like, you know, I had my, you know, the playlist going. I'm doing like the hypnobirthing in my head. So I really didn't know where I would be. So I was thrilled to find out I was a six. And, you know, we already had the tub blown up. My husband had gotten that ready, but we didn't have water in it yet. So she suggested maybe start to fill the pool, get that ready, which I was surprised. I thought um, it would be longer that I would have to stay out, but she told me it was fine. So maybe an hour, an hour and a half later after she checked me, I did get in the water. When I was in the water um, and maybe even before, I kind of started to feel like every five contractions felt a little like, I don't know if it's like what fetal ejection feels like, but it did feel a little throwing up out of my vagina. <laughs> like, but it wasn't consistently that. It just every couple felt not like I needed to push, but like they were just more intense. And I think that kind of cued her to say if I wanted to push, I could. And now she hasn't checked me again since I was a six. Um, so I'm in the water. She said, if you want to push, you can. And I remember my mom in my ear saying, listen to your body, listen to your body. And I just wish I would have leaned into that more instead of just being excited that 
oh, the midwife said I can push so I can start pushing. So I am starting to push in the water. Um, I'm trying different positions, you know, hands and knees and then on my back and flipping over. And um, at one point, the, our, my midwife, she had a student with her. So the student was talking to me, you know, just as much as the midwife is. And she did offer to kind of put her hands in me just to focus my pushing. And I will say that that was helpful. It seemed like it's hard to zone in where the pressure should go. And so when she did, when she had her hands just slightly inside, it was easier for me to like direct where the pushing should be. Um, so I'm doing that for how long do you think in the pool? Oh gosh, I can look it up, but a couple hours. Yeah. So a few hours of that. And then that was just the in the pool part. Mm -hmm. And then it was, you know, mm, let's try something else, which I had been at a birth where the, um, she was in the water for a while and then it kind of you know, nothing's really happening. So it's time to get out. So at this point, I'm not concerned at all. I'm like, okay, I'll just try something else. Hours, 140 to 345. Yeah. So two hours pushing in the water, then I get out. Um, and I'm on the bed, I'm trying different positions. Tracy has the rebozo. I was like, what is the, is it with a W? Which the rebozo thing? No, she had me like on the one side, and then the middle oh, and then the, the other. Miles miles. Yeah, the mile circuit too. What did we? So we I was were trying everything. Yeah. We were under the impression it was, we were, it was time to push. So why, why were we still pushing? Right. right. Like thinking like, okay, baby must be misaligned, something yeah. like that. And I will say, you know, um, I invited my sister and her kids were here. I would have been at their birth. So I invited them to mine. My parents were here. My mother-in-law was here. And um, I did want a private birth space, but once I was holding, told I could push, I figured, everybody come in, baby's going to be here soon. But now, you know, I've had all these people around me for hours. I'm like trying all these different positions, you know, I'm on my back with my feet in their hands, which that felt the most productive, but not how I imagined that it would be. Um, so we're trying that. Then that was at 415. And that's when she was saying she can almost see the hair. Yeah. So pushing. we felt like she was doing, they were down there a lot mm -hmm. at that point when you were on your back, like fingers and mm -hmm. looking. So she, yeah, she kept saying I could see the hair. So I kept feeling like, oh, it's almost time. It's almost time. And then I remember looking out the window and I'm thinking it's dark outside. Like what time is it? How long have I been doing this? And then she said, maybe get in the shower. So I got in the shower. I sat on the toilet. And then when I'm sitting in the toilet with her, so I'm alone with the midwife, my husband, and then her assistant or her, not her assistant, the student. Um, she was like, maybe there's too many people around. Like, let's ask everyone to leave the room. And I agreed with that. Um, maybe I did need some, a little more privacy. So we asked everyone to go downstairs. Tracy helped facilitate, you know, gently guiding everyone out of the room into the basement. And then I walked around my house for a little bit um, just to do something different. You know, maybe she's like, try walking for a few contractions. So I did that. Then after I was walking, she, you know, had me lay in bed and she suggested that it would be best that I try to rest. And then she let me know that she was going to leave. Okay. We didn't mention that she said it, you were ready to push, suggesting you were 10 centimeters. Yeah. That so happened I, not that first time, right? But like once I was in the pool, I felt like when she told me I could push, I, I was, I assumed that I was a 10. 2.30 started pushing. 
Okay. So you started pushing at 230 mm-hmm. and you had been checked the one time and you were six centimeters. But you were feeling, you know, like every once in a while you were feeling some kind of stronger sensation. So mm-hmm. begin trying to to push around 230. What time is it now where she's saying that she's going to leave now after she's already said she can see the hair? Mm-hmm. What time? <laughs> what? <laughs> On her notes at 1030, it said that she departed. So 1030 p.m. So this is eight hours later. After you've been pushing for, did, were you, did you at some point finally kind of stop pushing? Um, the hair was at 4.15, so we're at six hours post seeing the hair. Yeah. So, but I probably stopped pushing around like 9.30, 9.45. She kind of like tucked me in, told me, you know, I know it's hard. Just try to take a little nap, try to rest. And at this point, my contractions are a lot more intense. I'm exhausted I'm beyond exhausted so I remember between contractions and pushing I would close my eyes and I would be in such a deep sleep that I was dreaming and then when I would wake up I'd be like oh my god I'm in labor and everyone's staring at me and I was like oh how long have I been sleeping they were like two minutes (laughs) and it had felt like in my head it feels like forever you know those in between but it was just a long a long time at home it was really hard yeah, it was very hard to watch knowing something's not going how it usually goes. What's yeah. missing? Because at this point, no one should still be pushing, right? If we were at 10 centimeters when it was time to push, how in the world were we still pushing at this point? Unless something's up, there's some sort of complication that requires some something, some intervention that we don't have access to. It was... I felt like Danielle felt trapped and I, as the support felt trapped. Right. I'm not going anywhere, but I don't have a medical background. So far be it for me to suggest we have a medical problem, but I don't know that. Um, so we were all kind of leaning on the midwife's expertise mm-hmm. at this point. That's why you have one and you're not doing it alone because you want somebody with medical expertise in the room for times like this when it's just so not so irregular. Yes. Yeah. And, and when so she, then she left. <laughs> and she's like, I'm only 10 minutes away, which is true. She lives 10 minutes from my house. Um, but, and I'm just so exhausted and looking back, I'm like, why did I let her leave my house? But I kind of was, you. she didn't ask me no, for sure. She wasn't like, do you mind if I can leave? Um, and I was kind of sick of her. If I'm being honest, I kind of just she was just not very professional and just little comments here and there, all things that could have been brushed aside if I wasn't having such a hard time. Um, so she, yeah, she said, I'm 10 minutes away. Call me if you need anything, but I just think you should rest. And then she left my house. And then, um, so I'm in bed resting and my mom and my sister and Tracy are on the couch like, okay, what do we do now? There. And I, my mom told me that, Tracy, you said, I should not be the smartest, like the most educated person here. Like, you know, and I know a lot of women do free births, but that's not what I signed up for. Right. Um, not what I signed up for either. So no, it was putting right. me in a whole situation that's in my contract. There must be a midwife, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, one thing that I think I we've talked about that lends some extra sort of suspicion to this 
whole event is that when Danielle was in the bathroom with her husband by herself, I had a moment alone with the midwife. And I said to her, what, what do you think is going on? This is abnormal. And she said, um, I don't, I can, it, what'd she say? It could be a couple things. I can only think of a couple things, something like that. And I said, like, what? Because I'm thinking we're a team. We're here to get this baby out. What? You tell me. You think it's position? Well, I'll try more positions. And so, and, and I'm looking to her for guidance, you know, and she paused and thought and then looked at me and said, I don't want to discuss them with you. I was Ooh. like, well, how are we going to do this then? <laughs> I just want to help. So it's it whatever was in her mind it seemed to me she didn't want anybody else knowing she was thinking of which could raises just a bunch of red flags to me at that moment I was like we don't trust her I don't trust her this right is, okay no one should talk like that when we're all on the same team mm -hmm. exactly okay so she departs mm -hmm. at 10 10 something yeah about 10 30 okay and then what, what happened after that? So I was able to rest. I mean, I guess it was maybe an how like an hour or so or two hours before you came into my, yeah, it was right around midnight. We, you had, we just, we discussed transferring to a hospital before she left. Remember? Yeah. She and said she you can maybe transfer or you can try to stay home, but it wasn't a suggestion. It was definitely not a suggestion to transfer. And I remember her saying like, I asked Tracy, like, oh, do you want to see who's on call? Because I, this is why I love Tracy so much. She's connected. She can text a labor and delivery nurse and see. There's a several hospitals in our area. Who's on call that's going to be the most welcoming to me? Mm -hmm. So she was able to find that out. And I remember the midwife saying, like, oh, all those people should be in jail. Just, like, mm -hmm. really slamming, like, hospital staff, which I understand. I get that perspective, but if you have a someone like I might be walking into those arms, so maybe like give me a little more sense of hope, you know, it's not the time to share your personal views on the medical mm. world when we are considering using their help. Right. Yeah, mm. for sure. As do as we learn not to toss our judgments around at all. And if we have an opinion that's just ours private to keep talk to some other doula after the birth about it. So when she was sharing how she felt about hospitals and physicians, I was kind of like, I can't even believe this conversation is happening in front of your patient. This is not her business to know how you feel about physicians. You're just here to provide your care, you know? Yeah. It was alarming to me. Yeah. So that was hard to hear. And um, so at 1030, she leaves. I'm resting for a little bit. I remember Tracy coming into my room and she was just sharing like, you know, I'm a little concerned. You know, my midwife had left all her supplies. So the Doppler was here, but no one knows how to use it, you know? So it's not really helpful if no one knows how to read it, you know? And she's like, you know, I'm concerned that we haven't been able to check on baby's heart rate in a while. I'm concerned that you're very exhausted and just kind of leaving it up to me. What do you think we should do? And I asked her, like, do you know who's on call? She did. She was comfortable with who was some of the doctors that were at the hospital closest to me. And then I remember asking her to wake up my mom and I was so nervous to ask my, to tell my mom that I was thinking about transferring. And I don't know why I was, but I remember my mom saying, I think it's a good idea to go. And I just, at that point, I'm like, oh, wow, I must really need to go. If even my home birth mom 
who never took me to the doctor, who only takes me to the chiropractor is saying it's time to go. That, that was, you know, um, a huge indicator that it really, it was the best choice for us. And my husband and I discussed it. So now it's kind of hectic again, because I don't have a hospital bag packed. I don't know what we need. So we're, you know, throwing things together. We get in the car. Luckily, I think it's a seven minute drive to the nearest hospital to me. Um, and we get to the hospital and luckily, um, with all this COVID, I'm still able to have a doula with me, but my mm -hmm. mom could not come in. So it was really hard leaving my parents at the door, but I was having a lot of comfort that I still had someone else besides, you know, someone who had been there before to right. come with us. So Tracy's support with the transfer was just so valuable. Just, I can't imagine walking in there without her. So she was able to come with us and, you know, check-in is just so it's the worst, you know, especially at first I wasn't sure how much I was going to share with them. Like, Oh, you look like you're pretty far along. Who's your OB? Oh, I don't have an OB. Oh, do you have a family doctor? Uh, I don't, I'm, I don't have a family doctor. I have a chiropractor, you know, <laughs> kind of, that's how I have always been. Um, so they were just like, okay, you know, and they were kind of asking me some more questions. And I remember Tracy saying like, I think it's, you know, it's up to you, but more information is just going to be helpful at this point. So at that point I did share, you know, we are a home birth transfer, um, but I can't share who the midwife is. I can't, I don't have records to share with you. So it was kind of tough that I, on file, I had no prenatal care. Right. Essentially. Do you have your lab results? Are you, did you test for GB? Did you test for all these things? I'm like, no, I didn't do any of that. So, um, but I remember the nurse looking at me and she just said, there is no judgment here. We're here to take care of you. And that the relief that washed over me, it was just, I, and I truly felt like genuinely that there was no judgment. They really took us in with open arms. They were so like conscious and, um, empathetic and respectful. very respectful, very respectful. You know, they, anything that I declined while we were there, they were totally fine with. They're like, that's okay. That's your choice. I understand that you don't want that. And, um, I was just shocked because I really didn't know what I was going to walk into. And I, I want to shout out, um, Lauren Madden on Instagram. She's just a mom that I happen to follow. And she had shared her transfer story, her home birth transfer story. And it, it was a super positive outcome. And I remember on my way to the hospital, that story was really in the back of my head, which is why I felt important to share my story as well, because you can transfer and have the most positive experience. I, um, I was so welcomed by the staff there. I just, I could not believe it. I really was like <laughs> in awe that, you know, all the nurses there were trained in spinning babies. Like, oh, wow. That labor and delivery nurses even did that. Yeah. You know, I, they were helping me with all the positions. They were worked so well with Tracy, you know, they, like, I felt like, felt like, oh, I had finally have a team that's working together. Jeez. <laughs> crazy. Which is wonderful that you had that. That's so wonderful. Yeah. Why, <laughs> why didn't you have that from your original care provider? Mm -hmm. So I did get to the hospital and, um, when they checked me, I was at nine and a half with a very swollen cervix. Now, 
I know there's some schools of thought that, you know, once you're a 10, you stay at a 10, but it's possible that I was at a 10 and got scared and shrunk a little bit, plus the swelling. And the doctor did mention that I might have a cervical, a right cervical lip on the right side. So was I a 10 that whole time I was pushing at home? I find that really hard to believe. Um, I, I don't know, but I just find it hard to believe that I was that it was time the whole time that I was at home. Um, and the doctor said with the swelling, like the best thing to do would be to rest. And then at this point they're monitoring my contractions and they weren't peaking in strength as high as, I mean, I don't know how to read those things, but he just mentioned, you know, they're not peaking in strength as much as we like to see. So I'm interested in starting you in on some Pitocin. And I, have heard about Pitocin contractions. And I said, you know, if we're going to go that route, I would really like an epidural because I don't, at this point, I've been pushing for so long. I was so, so exhausted. (laughs) So, um, I did end up getting an epidural. I was able to sleep for, um, maybe like two and a half, three hours. And I just woke up feeling like so good. (laughs) Like, um, I just felt like rested. I was excited that they were still going to let me push. It's not like I was rolled in there and it was this huge hoopla emergency, you know, baby's heart rate was fine the whole time. And I had so much comfort in that. Um, so I had the epidural, I rested. And then, um, when I woke up, I was checked again and I was at a 10 and the swelling was completely gone. So he said that I can use something for that. I don't think they did. They mentioned possibly giving me Benadryl for the swollen cervix. Wow. Um, and he, but I don't know if they gave me anything oh, really? for it. Oh, yeah. I, I think just the rest was enough to um, get the swelling down. So now it's maybe like nine o'clock in the yeah, morning. And I was able to start pushing and um, I just had the best yeah. nurse. She was so gracious. Um, she was we're so well, like I was saying earlier, because now like the nurses from that checked me and they had left and I'm like, okay, I had great nurses then yeah. playing roulette here and even better nurse yeah. shows up. It was just like a God thing, a hundred percent a God thing. Um, So this nurse, she was so comforting and she was like working side by side with Tracy. They're like looking up spinning babies, things, different positions to try. Um, I remember like, she's like, Oh, doctor's going to be in soon. And when you're laying on this side, baby's heart rate is a little faster. So let's get you back over here. So kind of a hundred percent protecting me from like, she knows, she knows the doctor that's on call. She's like, if he sees this, he doesn't like that. Let's keep you over here. So he's not pushing for something else. Um, and that time pushing in the hospital is like, so sacred to me it's like how I wanted my home birth to feel and I just couldn't believe I was getting it in this room Tracy had my oils going my worship playlist my husband's holding one hand Tracy's holding my other hand the nurses you know guiding me and watching because this was guided pushing which is something I didn't think I would ever be having but it was so positive I just couldn't believe how like we were just all working really well together and it it just felt good um as close to home as, as close to home as possible. possible. Yeah. And I, I was a lot more comfortable than I was in my house, which is not, yeah. um, so I'm pushing in the hospital for, I don't know. So it started at nine. And then I remember around 11, the nurse, we could definitely see her hair. I had the mirror there. And one thing I will say that is 
every home birth, I wish every home birth could have is a hospital bed because the way that it can like lift up mm-hmm. and the squat bar, that's like a total game changer. I couldn't yeah. believe like, like, man, if I had this at home, I wonder if I could have gotten her out, you know, cause it was, they're able to just like lift the back. I had the squat bar, even with the epidural, I was so surprised I could still get into all these really um, productive positions to push her in. Yeah. So I remember it was about 11 o'clock and the nurse was like, oh, I can see her hair. And I could see her hair in the mirror as well. Um, and she's like, you know, we might have a baby by 1115. So I'm thrilled, you know, I'm giving it my all I'm pushing, but then it's like 1130 and then it's 1145 and then it's 12 and then it's like 1215. And then the doctor came in and said, you know, we've been trying for three hours and he's And he was so sensitive. I couldn't believe it. He was like, I know how much you wanted a vaginal birth, but, you know, we've tried for three hours and I really think that you should consider a C-section. Not once did he scare me. He did not say, you're going to die. There's going to be this negative outcome. It was, I couldn't believe how gracious that the staff was there. Um, So I really felt like it was our decision. And I, you know... I looked at my husband and we kind of didn't know what to do. And I just remember looking at your eyes and you just said to me, you know, maybe there's something that we don't know about. Maybe something is preventing her. You've done everything that you can. And, um, you know, she's like, maybe it's time to, to lean into this. And, um, you know, my husband and I looked at each other and we just decided that it was time and it was so hard. It was so hard. It makes me cry every time I think about it because it's such a hard conversation to have. I knew how much the home birth meant to Danielle and I knew that the vaginal birth was such a huge part of that. And it's just such a big reason why people hire doulas is to not end up with a C-section and having to have that conversation and not cross a line where you're giving advice, but to stick to just being supportive, but also bringing in my experience, which is, this is nothing I've ever seen before. This can't be something's up something is going on that this baby is not coming out this way I really don't think it is but yeah I'm not going to say that because that's medical I don't really (laughs) know that but that's how I felt and just trying to oh like be there for you and watch yeah you go through that process there was a lot that you had to work through Mm -hmm. to get there yeah but at that point I did feel good that I had done everything in my power and I really knew that um I, you know, I just like I said, I had done everything I can. And obviously I agreed with Tracy, like something's up. Maybe her cord is tugging her and that's preventing it. Maybe she's posterior, maybe like all these different, who knows? Um, so we decided to go ahead with the C-section. Um, and again, it wasn't this emergent thing. Like, I don't know. I feel like people get scared with home birth, like, oh, thank God you went to the hospital, but it wasn't like this huge medical like, emergency. Did you call 911? Did you take her in ambulance? ambulance? No, like, like I get it, all those questions too. Like, it was not, not like that. that. You know, I had so much time to consider my options. You know, the doctor came back and, you know, talked about the risks of doing it, the risks of not doing it. And we just decided that it was time and we were comfortable with the risks of having the surgery. So they're, um, they give my husband his scrubs and now Tracy has been with me for 24 plus hours. She had been there for every contraction and, you know, obviously the doulas can't come into the surgery and she couldn't come into recovery. 
So that was when I just, you know, I was like, Tracy, your kids are going to be getting out of school soon. (laughs) Like you haven't seen them. Who are they? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we decided it was time for Tracy to go home and, um, you know, she gave us big hugs and talked about, you know, this is what you can expect in surgery. She's like, don't forget to ask for a double layer stitching. Don't forget to remind them you don't want the eye antibiotic. Like she was reminding me of all these things that I had gone over with her previously in my birth plan. And the hospital was like, yep, you got it. You know, we, so they were on board with it, which was great too. I didn't get any pushback on any of those things, but I'm so glad that Tracy was there because I wasn't even thinking about like all the different things, but she was there to remind me like the little things in my birth plan that I had wanted. Cause we did talk about what if we go to the hospital? Mm-hmm. What if you have a C-section? These are things that you can ask for. So I was able to make those requests and they were accepted graciously by the staff. Um, So we hugged Tracy and she parts ways with us. And then, you know, they're rolling me. And oh, I forgot to mention at the end of my pushing, they had turned my epidural way down and the Pitocin up because we were just doing everything to like, I'm like, maybe if I could feel it more, I'd be able to push it more productively. So at this point, my epidural is basically nothing and the Pitocin is high. So I'm having very, very intense contractions. I was very uncomfortable. They get me in, they give my husband his scrubs and they say that um, we're going to prep her as soon as she's prepped, then your husband can join us. So they take me into the operating room. Um, They put the curtain up. They're doing what must have been like the iodine on my belly or whatever, because I remember feeling really cold on my belly that they're prepping and the anesthesiologist came in to turn up the epidural and they use this tool to kind of like prick your arms so you can feel how sharp it feels. And then they check your legs. I couldn't feel it on my legs, on my hip. I couldn't feel it. But every time on my belly, I could feel the prick of it. And at this point, I'm getting a little panicky. Like, do not cut me when I could have feeling in my belly. And I remember the anesthesiologist, I can see her eyes there. Um, you know, she just looked me right in the eyes and she said, if the epidural doesn't work, we have to put you under general anesthesia and your husband will not be able to join us. Oh my word. And I was like, oh, I just am feeling like heartbreak. Um, And she tried for maybe five more minutes turning it up. And every time I could still feel it in my belly. And at this point, I'm starting to have a little bit of a panic attack. I'm kind of hyperventilating a little bit. And I'm just so grateful that my nurse from labor and delivery, she comes with you to the operating room. And I remember just like searching for her. She held my hand and then they put a mask over my face and I had a general anesthesia and then I woke up in recovery. Oh, Danielle. Um, yeah. And in recovery, I was by myself, you know, but my nurse, the same nurse from the operating room, the same nurse from labor and delivery, she was there. And she could tell I was trying to stir because I remember just feeling so heavy on the table. And I had never had any surgery before. I've never been hospitalized, nothing. So I just didn't really know what to expect. Um, so I am starting to stir and my nurse, she was right there. And this, she literally was an angel um, from sent, God sent her right by my side. She was like, baby's doing fine. We did have to take her to the NICU, but she's doing great. She had pictures at this point, I did not know the baby's gender. So she was super careful not to share with me. Um, and she was like, you know, here's a piece of gum that helps with the nausea from the anesthesia. 
in about in a little bit I'll be able to take you over there to see her or to see baby she kept saying so I'm waiting in recovery to kind of get my arms back get a little more like wherewithal um just because you're so you're so out of it at that point and uh she you know, when it was time, she wheeled me in and she was so sweet. She was like in the hallway of the NICU. She doesn't know the gender. Make sure nobody tells her, like let her husband be the one to tell her. It was like so great that, and I know in that operating room, she was really advocating for me and reminded about the double layer stitching, reminded about the antibiotics for the eyes. Um, so that nurse just really went above and beyond for me. And I'm so grateful for her. So I get to the NICU and um, I got to meet my baby and mm -hmm. my husband shared that it was a girl and we named her Alana and she's on my chest and we're sobbing and it was just, you know, it was three hours after she was born, which was so, so hard, but it was, you know, nothing can ruin that moment. You know, it was just so beautiful to have her with me and it was I know there must have been like five people in the room, but it didn't feel like that. It did feel like it was just the three of us there and they let me put her on my chest when we were skin to skin for a while. And um, at that time, I learned that I had an infection in my amniotic fluid called chorioamunitis. Am I saying that correctly? That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so essentially to my understanding, it's an infection of your amniotic fluid. And the surgeon, the doctor said that the smell of the fluid was just, I had a pretty, pretty severe infection in my amniotic fluid. And so that's the reason that Alana was taken to the NICU because since I had evidence of infection, they were treating her as if she had an infection. She did have a pretty high heart rate when she was born. Her APGAR score was a four, but then after five minutes, it was a seven. So it was you know, sometimes that happens. Um, so she was treated as if she had the same infection as I did. And now I have been on antibiotics maybe four times in my entire life. So that was hard. I'm like, now I have to be on antibiotics. Now my perfect, unspoiled, organic baby is getting antibiotics and all these things. Um, and, you know, in the NICU, the big thing is they want them to gain weight. So they wanted to um, supplement her, but I was able to request donor milk. So Good. she didn't get any formula, which I was so happy about. And um, it's really was a very breastfeeding friendly environment. I was able to give her my colostrum, put her at the breast when I was with her. But since of the surgery, you know, recovery is in one area for me and the NICU is a different room. And I really wasn't in any shape to stay in her room with her you know I stayed in there as much as I could but when it was time to go to sleep I was in my own room um luckily my mom was able to come because now I'm my own patient my daughter's her own patient so I could have a support person so my mom was able to come stay with me in like mother baby and my husband was able to stay with our daughter in the NICU so we both had our we both had someone with us the entire time oh, that's um, great but it she, I think it was 24 hours after they had all the blood work back. It, Alana didn't have any infection at all, which praise God, we were so happy about. Cause at first they're like, you know, with infections, it could be five days. It could be 10 days. And we we're like, Oh my God, we didn't want to be here for five minutes. So <laughs> we were so thrilled to find out that she didn't have the infection. Um, so we were able to get her out of the NICU at 48 hours. And then I was finally able 
to come home. Oh my goodness. That, that was heavy. I mean, there's no getting around it. That was just a heavy experience for you. And I know that for anybody who's planning a home birth to have to make that switch to the hospital and then that switch to cesarean instead of vaginal, that's so hard. And you coming from this as your life experience, you know, you are a home birth baby. This is what we do. We have home births. Yeah. That I know, I know that had to, to be really, really hard. I am so grateful that you were given sweet nurse after sweet nurse that I know that had to be such, such a help in something that, that was just, that just was difficult. I mean, no getting around it. Yeah. And I just want to encourage anyone listening that you just really have to listen to your gut. Like even, you know, with my midwife, there was like two points when I remember saying to my husband, like, should we try to find someone else? And he didn't discourage or encourage either way. He's like, you know, it's up to you. What do you think? And I'm like, she only lives 10 minutes away. Yeah. She's 25 years of experience. She has a really low transfer rate. I'll probably be fine. But I did have those gut moments where I know I should have listened to my gut there. And then you wonder if she even counts you as a transfer because right, it because was of, your choice. And right. She and I wasn't there. she wasn't there. So there's just, you know, icky feelings around that. But then when I went to the hospital, I really did have so much peace. Like I knew I was making the right choice and I felt supported with Tracy by my side, having an advocate there. And then just doctor after two different doctors I saw, because with the switch change, I saw four different nurses. They all were so respectful to me. Mm. They were so gracious. So I know, and I want to be sensitive. I know not every transfer mom is welcomed like Mm. that, but it's not impossible. And um, it really made me have a shift in my whole thinking about the medical community and my, you know, I really identify, it was really part of my identity being like a home birth mom, being a home birth baby. Alana would have been the 21st or 22nd baby in my family to have been born at home. So I always joke like statistically, we were due for transfer. (laughs) (laughs) Had to be me, of course. (laughs) course. Yeah. But And I just know that a lot of people have so much fear around talking to doctors and going into that different setting, but it can be an empowering experience. And I really, truly believe that every intervention I received in the hospital was justified. Every one, every intervention I had, I consented to, I was fully aware of the risks. I, you know, I'm educated on epidural. It's not ideal. I didn't want my baby to be drugged. I didn't want to be drugged like that, but it was necessary and that's okay. And I've really made a lot of peace with all those choices. And I think because I had done the research before I had taken your course, I had my doula who's coming over and, you know, we're doing breastfeeding classes and talking about the risk of different things. And it just happened. And, you know, I still can have this heavy, heavy story and feel I don't know. I don't, it's hard. Like my birth was traumatic, but that doesn't mean that it's not a positive. I have positive feelings around it. Not every moment of it, but I do cling to the positive things. And um, you can have these stories and still feel empowered around your birth. And I, I do feel that way. And have peace. Yeah. I have you know, so much about it. And I feel like a lot of 
Okay, well, I have two thoughts that are kind of competing for attention right now. So <laughs> I'll say them both. The first one is I think that for me, I know, and I think that a lot of moms feel this way, the choice to give birth at home is because we want to take responsibility, because we want to give ourselves the best chance of doing things the way that we prefer, the empowered you know, experience that we desire to have. So with that comes a lot of education. If you if you skip that piece, if you skip the education, if you skip accepting responsibility, then you may still end up with a not very empowered experience, even if the birth goes perfectly well. But then on the other hand, when we sign up for a home birth, that doesn't mean that everything is going to go perfectly. And it doesn't mean that our care provider is an angel sent from heaven or that they're an and. I mean, it's not even like, I'm not even saying there are just that there are good and bad midwives. It's also just like, we're all humans and we all have really good days and we all have like pretty crappy times, you know, even regrettable times. So all of these different things, we, we cannot control every aspect. We can control how we prepare. We can control how we take responsibility. Think of all the things that you did to prepare. You mentioned so many different things, all of these different things. I'm sure you listened to the birth stories. You've been to home birth. So you did all of that. You knew what you were getting into when you went to the hospital and you knew at this point, this is my best choice. This is the best thing that I can do right now in my brain, in my life. Right now, this is the choice I have to make. Once you got to the hospital, it was just more of that, making the choice that you have to make. Sometimes the options suck. Like, you know, like you're choosing between two things. It's like, well, I don't want to choose between these, but you still did it. And you still did it with, with confidence, knowing like, well, I'm still in charge here and I'm making this choice. Yeah, absolutely. I really think Tracy's presence just gave me that extra confidence. And she was there with her little reminders. I remember they were asking me all these questions. She was like, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. I what we talked about, like whispering in my ear. So it is, it's so beneficial. I, all I can say is hire a doula, <laughs> like please hire a doula. And if you're in our area, please hire Tracy. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best. Nice. Yeah. Well, we did a lot of prenatal prep. You know, that's yeah. one thing that I think is really important. As a doula, it helps me get to know the client a lot better. And as a client, I think it helps you feel more connected to me. Mm-hmm. And when I have clients who either don't want the prep or can't and don't have the means or whatever. And it's, it's sort of like we meet once and then it's birth. It's, it's a little less home feeling. It's mm-hmm. a little more like a nurse experience where right. you're kind of getting to know each other on the spot and it might turn mm-hmm. out great. Um, but I really do love doing all that prenatal stuff up front, which, you know, do virtually for anybody, but also obviously locally for my clients in mm-hmm. person. So it's been um, a bit, COVID actually was kind of an, interesting turning point in my business because we couldn't meet in person Mm -hmm. so then everything went digital and now it's accessible to more people who maybe even don't want a doula but want to know what the doula would say in such and such spot down the road so we do I do prep for people who are like I prefer not to have a doula but I want my husband to be just like you would be yes I want to know what I need to know (laughs) absolutely yeah yeah Well, Danielle, as you look back on this experience, I'd love to get kind of a like your postpartum views of things, what you hope for in the future, um, and what how you plan to, you know, how you plan to 
go on with this as your story? Like, how are you planning to use that in the future? So I, you know, it took me two months to write my story down. And when I finally wrote it all down and, you know, shared it with some people close to me, I shared it on my Instagram. I just felt so much peace with it. When I was finally able to get everything on paper, I really felt closure with it. Um, but being said, that being said, I do, I kind of felt like a duty to share my story with, you know, my local community, because I did have such a negative experience with this midwife. Now I know a lot of women, I know four women personally that have had births with the same woman that had great experiences, but that doesn't discount my experience. And that adoring, amazing midwife I had shared about earlier that did was at my sister's birth at my cousin's birth. She had reached out to me, asked me how I was doing. She's been checking on me Mm -hmm. this whole postpartum period, you know, but she's not my midwife, but she's, you know, filling in that role for me. Now she had mentioned that if I wanted to, that there, you can file a complaint with the North American registry of midwives. And that I had no idea I could do that. You know, I thought, well, I'm in a state where midwifery is not legal in home. So too bad for me. I can't do anything about this negative experience, but I want women to know, even if you're in a state where it's not licensed yet, even though Illinois is finally pushing towards licensure, um, you have options and there are people here to support you. When I first reached out to the North American region, uh, registry of midwives, I had one person call me just to hear my story and kind of advocate me, walk me through the process of how to file. And, um, you know, I was worried, like, are they going to call, is this connected with like CPS or DCFS? Absolutely not. Am I at risk? Absolutely not. As a consumer, you are never at risk by reporting, um, I don't know the the word, like the services that you were provided. If you had a negative experience, you know, you can share about that and they can look into her practice and see if there are some things that maybe or may may not, she might not be liable for. So, you know, there are resources and people that want to hear your story. And I do think it's important to talk about there are not every midwife is perfect and Mm -hmm. it's okay. Like if this was a doctor, I would, of course, I would be screaming from the mountaintops about this horrible experience I had, but because it's a midwife, I still kind of want to protect her, but I, I, you know, but I shouldn't feel that way here to me. I don't want anyone to ever have any negative, like connotation around it, but I don't think that's realistic. Well, yeah. And the, the problem is, is that then if we don't report when things are wrong, well, then they're just going to go on being wrong. And then more people are going to have negative experiences. And then, I mean, homebirth is going to get a bad reputation anyway. To the women at, um, I think they call it NARM. They were, mm-hmm. they are so protective of what home birth should be and the expectations and, um, you know, the standard of care it should be above and beyond. So they want to know when it's below that. So please feel empowered to reach out to them and to go through that process if you've had a negative experience, because I think it, it kind of feels like, oh, there's nothing I can do about it, but there is. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that want to keep it, the standard of care as high as it possibly can be. Yeah, I totally agree. Wow. Danielle and Tracy, this like I said earlier, I mean, it is heavy, but I'm just so encouraged by the way that you were able to work through it and the way that you're not letting it just 
be a sob story. It's like, yeah, this is what happened to me. I am doing things about it. I'm going to let people know that I wasn't pleased with how it went down at home. And that doesn't mean home birth is bad. You know, that doesn't mean the idea of having a birth at home is bad. It means that this experience did not go the way that home birth is supposed to go uh, with, with your care provider. And that's something that can be taken care of. Yeah. 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 And I appreciate so much that you listening to my story. Cause I know even when I was pregnant, it's easy to just like nitpick, like, Oh, I'm only going to listen to the really positive stories. I'm not going to pack a hospital bag because I'm going to jinx it. That is coming from a place of fear. Right. And that I don't know. I'm, I think the autonomy mommy, she, I love following her. I know you had her story on here and she really helped also empower me to just take responsibility and kind of look back and realize that I, there was, even though I was so prepared, I was still kind of living in fear of some things. And Mm -hmm. I, it's so interesting. Everything I was afraid of happened and Mm -hmm. here I am, Yeah, and I, you know, and I'm going to be a better mother because of it. And I just, feel like God really placed all the perfect support people in our way once we left our house. And I just, you know, even though I went through what could be the worst things imaginable in my head, I'm fine. You know, and me and my baby have this great bond. I'm, we're nursing while it's, it's not the end of the world, I guess, you know, which I, in my head, I built it up to be this thing. Like, Oh, I'm so embarrassed that I transferred. I was screaming or like singing from the hilltops how great home birth is to all these people you know my in-laws you know people that have no idea about it and that was hard Mm -hmm. to now share that you know that was my plan it didn't go that way but it's not like home birth is still such this beautiful thing and I don't want anyone to ever listen to my story and let that be the reason that they don't have their birth at home I just think, let my birth be the reason that you educate yourself. Let my birth be the reason that you hire a doula, that you, you know, put the right support people around you and listen to your gut, like above anything else. Just, you know, when God is tugging you like, hey, maybe this isn't how it should go. You really have to listen to that. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful advice. Oh, Danielle and Tracy, thank you both so much for sharing your perspective and for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for having us. I I'm, I was just so thrilled that you accepted my story. <laughs> like, Of course. Feeling like, am I a home birth mom? Is this community still for me? And it is. It absolutely is. Absolutely it is. Gosh, what an episode and what an experience. As we head into this week's episode roundup, I have three things that really come to mind as I consider Danielle's story. Number one, Danielle's midwife wasn't her savior and yours isn't yours either. Hopefully your midwife will support you in the way that you want to be supported, but even so, birth is still ultimately your responsibility. Danielle had to decide what she wanted in regards to her birth. Did she want to stay home and continue to attempt labor there, or did she want to transport? Ultimately, she made the decision that she was most comfortable with, knowing that no one else could make that decision for her. Number two, the events that occurred throughout her birth experience were unfavorable to her desires, to put it lightly. But because of the way that she's chosen to perceive her experience, Danielle has been able to integrate her story into her motherhood journey in a way that brings positivity and success. Remember, 
It's impossible for us to control every outcome. What's totally possible, though, is how we perceive the experience and how we choose to integrate it. That doesn't mean that it's easy, and you absolutely may need help. And grief over not experiencing what you desired is a very normal reaction. But long-term suffering over something that's done, remaining in the victim state, it isn't going to easily build joy. I love the way that Danielle has approached her story and the way that she's choosing to heal because it is, in fact, an active choice. And finally, I want you to know that if your story is like Danielle's, if you planned and prepared for a home birth, yet your experience led you to a different outcome, this community is still for you and it's here for you. You are loved and you are still an integral part of the happy home birth and home birth in general community. Thank you for sharing with us. Okay, my friends, that is all I've got for you today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.